thank Jesus for what he's done. Amen? All right, we're going to let the other children, they have a big celebration for them today. So let's give all them a big hand clap and all the staff and Miss Angie Turner. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. Glory be to Jesus. Well, we want to welcome everyone. It's good to see the church full. Look around. Look how good it looks. Hope it doesn't happen until next Easter, all right? <laughs> it's great to see the church alive. You know, all the major religions, they know where their prophets are buried. But ours is not buried anywhere. Can you say amen? We have an empty tomb. They have a real tomb. Our, our Lord and Savior is alive and well. Amen? That's what makes a big difference. And I want to welcome everyone. I want to welcome our online church. God bless you. There's a lot of people watching. I was during praise, I was watching, and I'm not going to go through names, but we know you're out there. You know, there's over 20, 25 people consistently every Sunday on our online church, so they're just part, they're, I say they're the upper tier of the church. Amen? Let's give them a big hand clap for being online. Come on. We know we love them. We love you guys. We know you're out there. And you're just as part of this. And I'm telling you, if this is for the online church. We're going to have communion at the end of the service. So I encourage you to get your communion elements ready at home. And for those that are in the house, we're going to have a great service today. Amen. We also want to thank um, Faithway Laredo. Why doesn't all, everyone that's part of Faithway Laredo, why don't you stand up real quick? I'm going to embarrass you. Go ahead. Come on. Let's give them a big hand clap. God bless you guys. God bless you. And of course, they... Um, joined us with the praise and worship, and I think the last big, big round of applause has to go for this team. Come on, they did an amazing job this morning. Thank you, Al, Gabby. Thank you guys so much. Marcos, God bless you, sir. I was talking to Marcos when we were in the prayer room. Remember, Marcos, when we started in my little rundown living room in a rundown little house in the great, magnificent city of Mirando City, Texas? Known for lalas and peyote. That's all we're known for. <laughs> and Faithway. So, Marcos, thank you for all your years of faithfulness. I just want to say that. This guy's been with me so long. Give them and his. There are directors. Laredo Campus are doing a phenomenal job over there. Um, just really, the church in Laredo just got a fresh wind this year. We're excited. I believe, God, we're going to outgrow our building before the end of the year. Amen? So if you're from Laredo, you're close to Laredo, you know somebody in Laredo, Make sure you send them to, to 800 East Man Road. And not this Sunday, though. Don't send them there because nothing's happening right now. They're all over here. Praise God. We have a lot of people watching from Laredo also. Also, shout out to Ray and Jessica from Temple, Texas. My brother and my sister watching us from Augusta, Georgia. Um, Linda, the Gutierrez family is also from Faithway Laredo watching. Our sister Olga Moss, Bobby. We know you're there. God bless you guys. Amen. All right, let's get right into the Word. You know, after 27 years of doing Easter services, you know, you can get into the, a problem because, you know, how many, how many sermons can you come up with, right? But guess what? The Holy Spirit has infinite messages. And I'm excited because I've never preached along these lines this morning. And uh, our series that we started a few weeks ago was called It Is Finished. And, oh, I'm so sorry, that's mine, sorry, that's the title of today's message, it's called Look to the Cross, and we took three weeks to really look at what happened in the passion of Jesus and, and trying to understand his sacrifice and the things that he's done for us. And I was thinking yesterday, I was, you know, out there off the ranch, I was by myself meditating, 
looking around at all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for our family. Amen? And um, yes, we've gone through challenges. Yes, we've gone through storms, but we've gone through every single one. And if you need a reason to know that Jesus is alive, just let him into your life. Say amen. amen. Just let him into your life and see if he doesn't change things up. If you see if he doesn't influence it in a very positive way. Most of you have wonderful testimonies. And God has been so good to us. You know, it's time of reflection. Easter to me is, this is the most important day, I believe, in, in the body of Christ every year um, that we remember. Because everything's based on this. You know, if Jesus is still in the tomb, we have nothing to grab onto. But he's not. He's alive and well. And we're excited about that. So I want to start this morning's, and it was today's title message is called, It is Finished. And the next one is called, the, the subtitle is called, and I want you to say it with me. Say, we win. We win. <laughs> there it is. We win. Say it, look at your neighbor and say, we win. You know, in a, in a time of so much confusion, in a time where, again, I don't want to give a lot of opinions, but we, we're watching our, this amazing nation, I'll be honest with you, going down a path which I don't think is, is helpful. And Monica and I were talking about this in the last few days. And, you know, I, and she said, well, you know, this and that. And I said, no, the problem with America is not the president. The problem with America was we abandoned God. And th those of us that didn't abandon God kind of got comfortable. And then I started talking about situations in Cuba and what's going on in Cuba and, and the passion and, and things. And I'm like, sometimes you see that in other parts of the world where people are so fired up to get this message across, you know. But guess what? I believe the remnant of God is alive and well. And I think we're moving into a season where all that has happened in 2020, 20, you know, with COVID, um, the things that we're watching, I think the church is waking up. Can I hear an amen? And I'm not just talking about this church. I think this church is alive and well. This church does a lot. I'm talking about the body of Christ in America. So I'm excited. Hopefully things will change. Things will shift as a church. But it will go as a church. As the church goes, the nation goes. Remember that. Amen. And the Word of God says, where there is no vision, the people perish. In Spanish, it has a different word. It says desenfrena, where the, where the people have gone wild. <laughs> you, know, where there's, you know, there's no vision. Well, I believe the vision is the covenant. The vision is what Jesus did. So we're going to get this morning, and we're going to talk about this. Amen? Let's go right into it. I want to read to you, first of all, that story in, in Mark. It says, on the first day of the week, on the Sabbath, was ending... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob, and Salome made their way to the tomb. It was very early in the morning, and the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromatic embalming spices so they might anoint his body. And when he had been asking one another, who can roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But when they arrived, they discovered the very large stone was already rolled away. And as they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long white robe, and the women were standing and amazed. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I know that you're here looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. Praise God. Amen. He has risen victoriously. Look, see the place where they laid him. Run and tell his disciples, even Peter, that he is risen. For he has gone ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there just like he told you, they staggered out of the tomb, awestruck, with their minds swirling. They ran to tell the disciples. They were so afraid and amazed, they said nothing to anyone. And that's the story that we're celebrating today. Amen? 
But I want to take you back for a moment. I want to take you back to the cross. I want to take you back to the final statement that Jesus made. And this, this is going to be what we're going to talk about this morning. And that we find it in John chapter 19, verse 29. And this is the last statement as, as Jesus is finally dying slowly. And crucifixion was a brutal, brutal way of executing people. And the Romans used it. And we talked, you know, two weeks ago about the paradox of the cross, how a symbol or, or an item that was designed to cause fear, the, the construction of it through the generations that grew under the oppression of the Roman Empire, the cross was a symbol of hate. It was a, it was a dreaded symbol. And how the paradox of that symbol became the symbol of our liberty and our life. And Jesus hanging on this apparatus of death and taking his very last breath in verse 29 says, a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And I want to talk to you about this word, it is finished. It is a very, very interesting idea, and you're going to get something out of it. And, and remember what we're here to do. We're not, you're not here to hear a sermon. You're here to hear a word that will be specific to your life. How many can say amen? You know, you got to draw it. You got to be excited about it. You got to, you know, when I pray for these services, I always pray. I prayed it today like I do every time. I said, Lord, let this message bless the people. Let this message help somebody. But the only way that's going to help you is if you also do your digging this morning. You got to dig that well. You got to dig that well where the Holy Spirit will talk to you. Because we're going to deal with some things that are, that, are, that are true, they're real, and even some things that I've, doing some soul searching in my life, have seen regarding my experience, you know. Um, we're getting close to next year. It will be 30 years since I gave my life to God. It's been 27 years in full-time ministry. And we have a lot of stories of our walk with Jesus in 30 years. But you know what? You need to have your story too, Amen. And we have to really understand what he meant where it's finished. So I want to give you, first of all, the Greek definition, because it's a very interesting word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek. The best of my ability would be tetelestai. And it simply means to bring to completion, to bring to a conclusion, to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, or to finish. And it marks a turning point, pay attention to this, where one period ends and another period begins. And the very first thing that happens at the cross, well, it happens at the resurrection. There's a three-day span between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But when the tomb, when he is resurrected from the dead, that is the beginning of our, our covenant. That is the beginning of the New Testament. So we're going to break this thing down. I want, I want you to follow with me because a shallow understanding of his resurrection will keep us always under the pressure of guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I think as, as Christianity speaks, I'm not going to speak specifically to anybody, but as a general tone, I think Christianity as a whole, we do have a shallow understanding of what that phrase means. And I'm, and I'm going to do the best I can that you leave this building this morning knowing what it means and what it means to you. Amen? Say amen. Look alive. This is our Super Bowl. Come on, get excited. I know Dallas Cowboys fans don't remember what a Super Bowl was, but still be excited about it, all right? It is finished, here's a big one, must be received, not just understood. You'll understand it this morning. And my question to you, will you receive it? Because the, the lack of receiving causes a lot of problems, you know, and, and we're going to kind of dig in. So many Christians only receive salvation. 
And that is wonderful. Thank God you're going to heaven. And if you're not born again this morning, and there's actually two parts. We've been prayed it in our prayer with the, with the band this morning. I'm also praying for the prodigals this morning, those that used to walk with God. And H knows, and if we had everybody that's ever walked into this church, I'm talking about people that were here for a while, not just in and out. We would have outgrown this building years and years ago. But we're, we're, we're calling those out too. You know, Jesus still loves you. We still love you. We have nothing against you. But so we're calling for those that have never had an experience of Jesus, for those that don't even know if he's real or not. But I also want to make sure that this message connects to those that are struggling with their spirituality, those that are struggling with understanding, those that are struggling with connecting back to Jesus. So this message is for all of us, and also for those that know him. That we, you know, we always can get closer to Jesus. Can I hear an amen? So Christians only receive salvation, and we have a tendency to continue to live under condemnation and under the curse of sickness, shame, and lack. And that is something I see in my own life. You know, it, it's just because I grew up with a lot of religion. I grew up with, a, you know, again, a shallow understanding. I'm not blaming this on anybody, but I, I, I spent a lot of time in church as a kid because I went to a Christian school. And a Christian school, it's Bible every subject. They teach you math out with Bible. They teach you English with the Bible. They teach you science with the Bible, you know. They teach you spelling with the Bible. I mean, it's like everything you learn is with the Bible. So we have, you know, there's a lot of word in me. But there was still the shallow understanding because with that, guess what came? A lot of condemnation. Can somebody relate? A lot of guilt trips. You know, Diosito te va a castigar. Anybody grew up with that? For all of those that don't speak Spanish, I'm not going to say it in English. No, just kidding. Um, that just means, you know, grow up, hey, behave. Jesus is going to punish you. you. Don't do that. Jesus is watching you. And, and you know, this, as a child, you brand kids with that. And hopefully parents, for those of you that have smaller children, don't do that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't do that. <laughs> Don't raise them with a fear of Jesus. Don't raise them with an idea that Jesus and God is out there just to make sure they behave. No, this is not about God trying to make you to behave. This is about a love that is beyond comprehension. Are you still here? A love that we don't understand it. You can preach this 30 years, you still don't understand it. Because there's no way we can grasp how much God loves us. But, you know, that condemnation and that guilt comes with religion. And we never do enough. Has anybody ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but, you know, it's like, man, you know, I don't know what else to do. And, if you know, God forbid if you get angry or mad or sin or say something that you weren't supposed to, which we all do, or tell a lie or something that, you know, you weren't supposed to, and, yes, you go to God and say, Lord, forgive me, and that's what you should do. But the guilt and the shame doesn't leave. And you know what's happening? We're, we're not understanding something. We're not understanding the power of the blood. We're not understanding the power of the sacrifice. Because I think one of the things that's holding us back from full covenant walk is just condemnation and guilt. And that's what I want to deal with, because on that cross, he took these things. And in his resurrection, he, he lifted all of that. The Word of God says he took the keys of gate, the gates of hell. I mean, he, he, he dismantled Satan's power over you. Say amen. Amen. He said, well, Pastor, you know, if he dismantles Satan's power, why do I deal with him so much? Because the devil will move into your life as much as you permit him. But he lost his authority. And the reason he's messing with you is because you're giving him authority. So well, I don't give him authority like that. No, but we give him through guilt. We give him through condemnation. I found this. I was reading this scripture out of the Passion Translation. It was so, so good. I had a King James Version up, and I said, you know what, let me go to this one, because it just brings it home. 
Romans 8, verse 1 and 2 says, so now the case is closed. Everybody say, the case is closed. Say that. So you imagine if you're in a judgment, and you're before a judge, and maybe you're guilty, but something came up, and someone walked in and said, no, he didn't do it, I did it. And instead of you being sentenced, the other person gets sentenced. And what does the judge say? Case closed, right? Then you walk out of that courtroom and you're done with it. Well, guess what? With Jesus, it was the same thing. He closed the case against you. And we have to analyze that because, like I'm saying, I'm going to repeat this a lot because I wanted to get in your spirit. A lot of our struggle is that even though we understand that, remember what I told you a few minutes ago? We need to receive it. You can understand. Oh, yeah, I understand the blood, Pastor. I understand Jesus died for me. I understand he bore all my sins and all, all my grief and all this. But the thing is, understanding is not enough. You got to receive it. You got, it has to be a revelation within you that, that you say, you know what? No, I'm no longer under condemnation. Let's look at this. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the Spirit flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. That is a pretty simple statement. King James says, therefore, there is now no, everybody say no, no, no condemnation. No condemnation. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with condemnation and guilt and shame, Jesus already said there's no condemnation. Well, you know, so but we're still struggling with it. Can I hear an amen? I don't know about you, but that's me. You know, we walk always thinking that we've done something wrong. You know, we were, I was joking with Elizabeth. Good to see you, Elizabeth, by the way. She brings so much joy to this church. There was a guy who used to come to this church a long time ago. And I would just mess with him, you know, and, and he, it's just so funny. I'd see him and I'd say, hey, brother, how you doing? And I would tell him, estás portando bien? In other words, I'd say, are you behaving? And he immediately said, what, 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 pastor, what did they tell you? What did they tell you? <laughs> I said, I'm just joking, man. Chill out. You know, I was like, I almost, I almost got a written confession out of this guy, you know? What did they tell you? And, you know, I'm, I'm just playing with that. That was a kind of a funny story. Marcos knows who I'm talking about. But, you know... <laughs> that's condemnation. Because, you know, if I ask you guys right now as a congregation, hey, y'all behaving? You know what's going to happen? You're thinking, you're going like, oh, did somebody tell pastor something? I don't know, you know, it's your own life. But the fact is that we move into this thing of default condemnation. Can I hear an Amen. You don't sit there and say, no, I'm redeemed by the blood. You sit there and say, oh, what did they see? What did they know? Oh, did they look at my phone? Did they read my text messages? You know, you go, what did I post on Facebook? Oh, you know, maybe it's my Instagram. <laughs> I should have snapped that. I shouldn't have snapped that. See, the body of Christ is under this eternal condemnation. And Jesus paid the price. So we're going to break down this idea of it is finished. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you every definition that I have found in the Bible where this, this phrase was applied. And not only just in the Bible, even through history. Because like I said, this was a, this was a legal term that he used. He did, he did not just say, it is finished. This was a, a, a known word that was used from the courts to the temple. And Jesus picked that word. He didn't say it's complete. He didn't say it was done. He picked a specific word that breaks down into all these definitions. And I want you to look at this because this is where, number one, the first one that he used, it means mission accomplished. 
And in the biblical days, when a servant was sent on a mission, upon his return, he would report to his master, to Tilsai. He says, it is done. It is finished. The job is done. Jesus came for a mission, and he completed the mission. Are you still here? He didn't leave anything pending. He didn't almost finish it. He completely finished. He completely paid the price for sin. He completely paid for your redemption. He didn't leave. You know, there was not one thing he missed. And if there's areas of our life where we're missing that completion, guess what it's on? It's on us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I know, I know. It's on us. It can't be on him. Number two, I'm going to go through these quick because we have a long service this morning. Yeah, by the way, you know, if you put your, burns, if you, if you put your beans to burn at 12, they're going to burn. All right, just let you know. <laughs> this is our Super Bowl. Super Bowl lasts around three hours, so you get the idea. Just get comfortable, relax. We're going to be here. We're going to have communion. We're going to have a great time. Amen? And after church, don't just run out. We've got great fellowship and a lot, a lot of things going on still today. Number two, the atonement is complete. And this one is really important because it was also the word that the, the high priest would use in the temple sacrifices. Jesus was the final sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice had finally been made. Atonement was complete, perfected, and fully accomplished. It was done once and for all, finished forever. So let me break this one down. In the Old Testament, before you know, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, within the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion, you would have to bring a blood sacrifice. You would have to bring a lamb that had no blemish, that was a perfect, you know, example of his species, and you would, you would give it to the priest, and he would cut the lamb, and the blood would flow out of it, and that blood would be presented in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, they would take it, and as soon as that blood hit the Holy of Holies, as soon as it was poured out, according to the Levitical law, according to God's laws, your sins for that whole year were gone. So let's say, you know, you've, you know, if you did this, you did that, you know, we have Jesus, we don't have to kill anything. He was the final sacrifice. But the high priest would say the same word. Isn't that interesting? He would say, it is finished. You, you have brought the blood, you have completed your part, it is done. Well, Jesus was the final one. And here's, you know, this is one of the reasons we have to understand these points, because condemnation, guilt, and shame, and I'm going to be hitting those three because they all go together. They're all, you know, they all walk hand in hand. You, you can't just say, well, I, I have guilt, but I don't have condemnation. No, they go all together. You have a condemnation. And here we think, you know, Jesus' blood completed the temple sacrifice, but his blood was not presented in a natural temple. If you read the book of Hebrews... His blood was sprinkled in the Holy of Holies in heaven. Can I hear an amen? That means you are redeemed. That means you are free of this. You are free of the curse that sin brought on you. Number three, I like this one. This was also a term. It was also used as a legal term. And this was, you know, it is finished as the full payment of debt. Amen? I had a cool moment with my wife this morning. I wasn't going to share it, but I'm already into it, so I'm going to have to share it. Because <laughs> if not, you're going to like, wait, what, what was that cool? We were driving over here, and I've been trying to you know, pay things off, and I got to my last payment on my Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I set up, I said, honey, hit the button. <laughs> she hit it, it is finished. <laughs> Glory to God. Full payment of debt. But that's what Jesus did. Full payment of debt. 
In other words, you got a blue title on your life. You don't have a lien anymore. You don't owe the devil nothing. Say this with me. Satan, I don't owe you nothing. Amen? I'm excited. I'm more excited than you guys are. You guys are like, hmm. You guys look like you're, some of y'all look like you're called a jury duty. What's the matter with you? You're not going to say amen to anything I say this morning. That's all right. I got my amen corner back there. Louder, you better be loud, brother. It is finished. When a debt had been fully paid off, that parchment was stamped. That's why I tell you it was a legal term. And the word tetelestai was stamped on it, indicating it is paid off. You don't owe Satan nothing. Because condemnation always brings that. It's like, no, it wasn't quite enough. You, no, Jesus, yeah, Jesus died for you, but yeah, yeah, hey, no, no, you, you're still messed up. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, we are messed up. Amen? You know, they say in, in America, I don't know if this is a true statistic, they say something like, I forget what it is, I think it's like, you know, four out of ten people have mental issues, so you're more than likely you're sitting next to one of them right now. <laughs> Everybody's looking at you, oh, boy. Now, the devil has nothing on you. It is finished. I want you to hit that. I want this to brand in your spirit so strong this morning that when that guilt and condemnation, because let me, let, me, let me help you out. Guess what? Everyone in this room, more than likely, even after today's, I know you guys look super hyper holy right now, but guess what? You will probably do something that would be considered sin. Do you agree with that statement? Do Christians sin? Now, do Christians sin on purpose? Hopefully not. But sin comes. Anger comes. You get in a situation. You say something, you do something, you lie about something, tax time is coming, don't lie. Some of you guys got social security of nephews and primos and primas and ah, I'm just messing with you. No, you know, we're all going to miss it. We will miss it. You might miss it trying to get out of this parking lot this morning. I looked at it and said, my God, where are these cars come from? I think people just park their cars and go home. It's full of cars here, it's full of cars back there. Praise God. I can't get out, I'm angry. But you know what? It's paid in full. It's up to you to maintain, if I can say it this way, that blue title. It's up to you to never let the devil put a lean back on your life. Because he'll try. Oh, he'll try. He'll work you. You get mad at your wife, and he'll be, even though you repented to God, repented to her, repented to everybody, he'll beat you up for the next three weeks about that. No. And that's on us, by the way. That's not on God, because, you know, he said it is done. Debt is paid in full. Amen? You know, we've had a few testimonies here over the years of people of, of, of supernatural debt cancellation. How many can believe for that? And there was years and years ago, a lady of our church came and said, you know, Pastor, my, my house got, I got the, the you know, the lean off my house, it's mine. And then she said, but I still owed some payments. I said, well, just don't call over there. No le muevas, right? If it's paid for, it's paid for. Because she was, I think they made a mistake. I said, unless they call you, don't you call them. <laughs> That's, that house is yours now, honey. Amen? Well, guess what? You're God's now. There's no lean on your life. You don't owe Satan nothing. Can you give the Lord praise this morning? Come on. <laughs> Glory to God. Number four meaning, and this is a big one also. It is finished, depicted a turning point. When one period ended and a new period began. 
In the Old Testament had come to an end, it was finished and closed. At the time of the New Testament had begun, the cross marks the spot of this great divide in human history. And I think, you know, again, one of the scriptures that we use a lot to try to get understand people, and this is, if this is you this morning, this scripture should be for you. But, you know, I think it applies also for believers. We use it a lot for evangelism. We use it a lot to get people to come to God, get people to understand what the salvation plan was. And it's a very simple scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, for those who are in Christ, King James says new creature, but the actual translation means new creation. All old things have passed away. Isn't that good? Don't you thank God for a second chance? How about a third chance and a fourth and a fifth? I've needed all of them. But I thank God so much for the second chance. My life was a wreck in 1992. I had no hope. I had no future. I had no job. My wife was leaving me, and I don't blame her because I was a total train wreck. But God gave me a second chance. It is finished, and he meant it. And it was up to me to understand, and it, it's taken me a long time, and I, I dare say even today I might have not completely apprehended what that, you know, what did that mean? I'm a new creation. Everything has made new. And boy, has he manifested that in our lives. There is absolutely no comparison of our life in, in, in nothing. I mean, there's, you can't even, <laughs> I mean, if you were to look at my life the day I got saved, you look at my life today, you'd have to say, those are two completely different people. Yes, because guess what? It's new. Everybody say new. How many like the smell of new? Amen? New clothes, new cars, right? Or some of you just like the smell of la pulga and you go by, you know, I don't know. No, there's something about newness. There's something about I don't have to. And the thing is, as believers, yes, we come into God. And I've, I've used this over and over and over and over. And I'll say it again. If the cross, you know, if we stood before the cross not knowing Jesus and we accepted him as Christ, and then, and then on the other side of the cross, guess what we have to do? We have to renew our mind now. We have to continually work it and work it and work it and work it to understand that, yes, you're not that old person. Yes, all your bad habits, all your negativity. Now you say, well, I still have all those issues. That's because that's on you. That's not on him. I've heard people say, well, God's not helping me with this addiction. And I ask that person, what are you doing for that addiction? Because as far as he's concerned, it is finished. And he granted everything. And I know some of you might not want to hear this, but Jesus is not doing anything else. He already paid it all. He completed it all, and he called you new. He called you reborn. He created something that never existed before. That's why if you take that word out of new creation, creation is the same word or the similar, similar word that's used at the creation experience. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. And I'll tell you, that reflects my life. I can honestly say that reflects my life because I looked at, I looked at the, the Genesis account, you know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. There was darkness, and the Spirit of God fluttered. That's what it means. And then God said, let there be light. That was me. I was in darkness. I was lost. Even though I had known Jesus so many years, I was completely in darkness. And, but you know what? The Spirit of God never left me. Thank God for praying, Mom. Can you hear Amen? I don't know if you can hear messages in heaven. Thank God for praying, wife. Thank God for a lot of praying people. This Holy Spirit fluttered over me. He never left me. I was the one that needed to come to him. But when I decided to turn and I decided to walk in his direction, he was there. And he said that there be light, and the light of God hit me 
with complete full force. I was completely delivered of over 14 years of addictions instantly. That's my story. That's my story. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. Don't just sound like you're making tortillas. Come on. Glory to God. And I wish you could come up. You know, we could spend all day if I just say, come on, tell me your story. Because all our stories are similar. Maybe not everybody came from that, but something. you came out of something. You know what you came out of? You came out of you. Of you trying to govern your life. Of you trying to figure this thing out. Which we were not designed to try to figure this thing out. That's why, guess what? We messed it up. Some of you wait, talk about you, Pastor. Okay, I messed it up. Sorry, perfect. It is finished. Depicted a turning point of a new period, a new era. Aren't you excited that God gives you a second chance? Aren't you excited that you get to do this again? And if you're here this morning, if you're watching me online, you said, Pastor Box, my life is not where it needs to be. It can be. You just got to accept the sacrifice. You got to accept the resurrection of Jesus. You got to accept that he's alive and, and the adventure will begin that moment. The adventure will start. And I encourage you. I know we see a lot of faces and there's a lot of faces I don't know this morning or maybe, you know, but I'm telling you, give God one full year of your life. This is, a, this is a great day, so you don't forget it. Easter Sunday, 2021. Look at your neighbor and ask him, will you be here Easter Sunday, 2022? Go ahead, ask him. Take time, fellowship a little bit. Come on, just go ahead and ask him. Hope they say yes. If they say yes, write their name and let me have it. No, just kidding. <laughs> but you know, a lot of us fall out. You know, all of us that we're excited today, we'll be excited next week, and then... You just kind of go, no, no, you got to give God a little bit of room. You know, God is not in the fast food business. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, I didn't get saved in September 1992 and by October everything was fine. No, this has been a, a journey of 30 years, almost 30 years, you know. Next year will be 30 years, 20, you know, 29 years. That's a pretty long journey. But from the get-go, I saw his power. But we had to learn. And we had to build bridges. You know, I'll tell you what, we are building bridges for you because a lot of things, my wife and I, we just had to figure them out. And, the, and I took the things very simply, very simple, because I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty simple person, really. I don't, I don't try, I try to make things complicated even in my life. Very simple approach. If the word said it, it's settled. In other words, if the word said it, watch this, it is finished. By his stripes I was healed. It is finished. He has delivered me from oppression and depression and anxiety and fear. It is finished. See, all that has been granted. That's part of the new creation. So when you look at Jesus standing on the cross, this was also a word that depicted a new era, a new season. I know some of you, I mean, if you want to raise your hand, raise your hand. If not, raise it on the inside. But how many of you are ready for a new season? How many of you are tired of the old season? You know, I'm tired of COVID. I'm done with all this. But, you know, guess what? It never affected us. God is so good. During the last, during all, the, all this pandemic, first of all, glory to God, we never got it. We're not planning to because I don't believe for it. And number two, he took COVID on the cross. Number three, when everything was going south, we made more money in 2020 than we did in regular years. Because when he's, you know, God's kingdom is not subject to that kingdom. But it's up to us to make a choice. Do I want to keep a foot in that world, or do I just want, you know, a foot in Jesus' world? Because guess what? Half of you will always struggle. I think believers, you know, some of you that are still on the fence, you need to jump in. You need to get into the deep. You need to find where the deep waters of God are. You're not here to, 
be part of Faithway or, or you know, just be part of church. You're here because you believe he's alive. And when you leave this building, he's still with you. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you, never, ever, for not even to the end of the world. I mean, that fact is what encourages me every day, even when I'm having a bad day. Anybody have bad days? You know, you get wrong, up on the wrong side of the bed. I don't know what side that is, but I think it's my wife's side. I won't preach over here. I got, I got a glare. I got a glare. I got a glare. No, we don't, you know, yes, we can have bad days. We've had moments where things don't go our way. But guess what? Even when you're throwing your little hissy fit, he still loves you. Because he doesn't see you as the old person. He doesn't see you as a sinner saved by grace. Yes, we were sinners. Grace showed up. We're not sinners anymore. We are the righteous of God in Christ. And, but you see, we still have that sin lock on our head, and that's why the condemnation and the guilt and the shame just sit there and sit there every time you, even when you don't miss it, you think you missed it. Does somebody relate to that? I mean, you'll sit there and wonder, I wonder what I did wrong. I don't have to tell you what you're doing wrong. You already know what you're doing wrong. Because the Holy Spirit loves you enough to tell you. Well, Pastor, give us a a sin list. I'm not going to give you a sin list because you'll find something that's not on the list and do it. The Holy Spirit convinces you that you can adjust that thing. He's not, think about, I don't know, did that video move you guys in any way? I mean, every time I see it, I, get, I was wiping tears on my eyes, and I, I don't like to cry in public, you know, and all that. And it was like, it moves me, it moves me, it moves me, because I want to realize, you think Jesus went through all that to try to keep a stick over your head every day? You think Jesus is working overtime to try to keep people out of heaven? No, he's not trying to get people out of heaven. He's trying to get as many as he can in. But condemnation, guilt, and shame will always keep us in a place of not understanding what he did. He gave you a new beginning. Why don't you start acting like it? Listen to the way you talk. Listen to your voice, because your words will tell you. You know, if you want to know who somebody really is, let them talk for a while. I'll give you an offering later, Pastor. (laughs) Let them talk, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it would do us good. I've never bought one. I probably shouldn't. I always thought it was interesting if you could have a voice-activated recorder with you, where it would only come on when you talk. Some of you, that thing would run out of batteries. (laughs) And then go back in the day and listen to all the dumb things we say. I'm broke. I'm poor. I'm sick. I'm tired. Nothing goes my way. You know what you're doing? You're talking about this side of the cross. Are you still here? You're referring to this side of the cross. I'm sick. I'm feared. I'm scared of COVID. You might as well just go ahead and let somebody sneeze in your face. Because whatever you fear will come onto you. That's the book of Job. I thank God he delivered me from fear. And I don't let fear in our house. I don't let it in. We were talking about movies the other day, and somebody asked me about this movie and that movie, and I said, well, you know, one thing in our, movie, in our house, we don't watch any scary movies. Because I'm not, first of all, that's kind of stupid to invite fear. I'm not telling you what to do. You know, you want to do your thing, you know, and every bump of the night, you're like, give way well. Sit there walking, watching the walking dead, and you look out your window, and here they come. You see, I mean, God has delivered us. 
and our mouth will connect us. It keeps connecting us back to that old man, that old way of being, that old way of thinking. And, and, and Jesus is sitting here wondering, and the angels are wondering, why are they doing this? And they're saying, I don't know, it is finished. The sacrifice was complete. Why do we keep acting like it wasn't? This is a new season. Everybody say new season. Man, I'm, I'm more excited. Come on, church. Oh, look alive. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. If you're consumed with grief, guess what? Jesus bore it. Amen? So I think I, I missed a slide. What did I miss a slide? Paid in full, new beginning. Oh, no, we're good. I'll write right after this one. These are the things that you have to understand that on this list, we take a screenshot or just think about it, because all these things were paid for. Uh, every one of those on that list, it was finished. Grief, Jesus bore our grief. You know, I've had the, I, I, I will call it a privilege, that we've had a lot of home goings in our, you know, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, Monica's sister, and some were untimely and some were time, you know, they just moved to heaven. But you know what? We never had grief over any of them. We felt sad because they moved, but we never let a spirit of grief. And if you ever come to a funeral in this church, and I don't like to do funerals, by the way, but if you do, so nobody died this year, all right, just stay here. But if, you, if that happens, you know what our, our funerals are? They're celebrations of life. Because we know, guess what? It is finished here, but it's starting over there. There should be no grief in your life. Don't let grief set in. Because grief is not, sorry, and it's not being sad. Grief is a, is a root that will sit there, and you've probably met these people that some, somebody died in their family and 10 years later they're still wearing black and they're still depressed and they're still, you know, in this dark, dark place. Jesus bore your grief. And maybe I'm talking to somebody this morning that's still dealing with this. Guess what? He also carried your sorrows. The things that bring sorrow, the things, you know, even the things that we did ourselves to ourselves that could bring sorrow. Or maybe somebody did something to you that broke your heart, that tore you to pieces on the inside. Guess what? Jesus bore that too. Can you come to the cross and nail that to the cross? Because that action, you know, I'm talking in symbolism, but the action of taking those things back to the cross, that's up to you. It is finished as far as he's concerned. A life of transgressions, if you have a tendency to sin, a tendency to go to dark places, a tendency to addictions and these kind of things of every form of sort, guess what? You can bring that to the cross. The cross was never a place of guilt for us. It was a place of guilt and shame for him. And I think when we realize that we walk in more freedom because we carry things thinking, well, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, maybe why isn't God delivering me? You know, you know I'm coming from a place where I was. And I'll give you a little snippet of my life. I, in 1992, January, I realized I needed to find God, like desperately. I was, my life was a complete wreck. And I thank God for my wife. She helped me. She was patient with me. But it didn't, it didn't become, and I, we'd go to churches, and, and we'd start visiting churches, and I'll tell you, some of those churches were more dead than I was. I'll be honest with you, and, and my wife, so we'd go to another church, another church, another church. Then we found one church, and, and, and I really connected with the pastor, and, we, and, and the journey began. Now, this is January. From January to September, I had a little cry in my heart. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, take this off my life. 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 And it just wasn't happening. Anybody felt like that? And then I realized I finally got a book by Brother Copeland in September of that year. It's called The Decision is Yours. And I realized that the choice of life and death was my choice because he completed it. 
And I didn't realize it. And when I realized it was my choice, guess what? Instant deliverance. And I think a lot of believers are still here. Lord, help me. Jesus, help me. Take this in. No, he delivered you of your transgressions. It's up to you to re- receive it. Remember what I told you at the beginning of this message? This message is not just to be understood. It has to be received. You've got to walk out of this building, and you've got to go. Maybe you're even doing it right now in your head. You say, you know what? I'm delivered of this, and I'm delivered of that, and I'm not going there anymore. And I'm not subject to that addiction, and I'm not subject to that transgression anymore. He took it. He became sin. He became all of it. He became sickness. Sin. It's connected to transgressions. You can be forgiven because he was bruised for your iniquities. Torment. That will give you a modern word for that, dealing with things that cause anxiety and fear in your life. And these things I'm telling you, I've gone through them. I don't have time today to share every story on every point. But we've dealt with these because torment is a place where there is no peace. Well, guess what the Bible says? He was chastised for you to have peace and be delivered from torment. And if you're mentally, if you're physically or mentally sick, he was scourged with stripes for your healing. Has anybody ever seen the movie The Passion? You should go revisit it. You know, a couple weeks ago, we, I watched it. Finally, my grandson's 11 years old. I said, okay, you're ready. He said, oh, no, he's too young. Come on, they play Call of Duty. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and his eyes were wide open. Because you really see the price that he paid for you to be healed. He was torn to pieces for you to be healed. And I think it is a shame for us to still walk below that. I do. I don't know if God thinks it's the same. I think it's a shame in my life to say, wow, you know, you took, and I, and I remember even when this whole COVID thing started, you guys remember we were here, well, we weren't here last year, we were locked down this time last year, but right before it hit, you know, and H came up and kind of explained what it was about, but, you know, I made a decision right then and there. I said, we're not believing for that because Jesus took it. Jesus bore COVID. Amen? Glory be to Jesus. Thank you, wonderful Holy Spirit. Isaiah, approximately about six, maybe six or seven hundred years before Jesus was born, prophesied this regarding Jesus. Surely, everybody say surely. What does that mean for sure, right? He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Come on, say that last line with me. Everybody together. And with his stripes, we are healed. Guess what happened in the New Testament? That same scripture, Peter quoted it, but he changed one word. This is Old Testament. Remember, get get everything in place. In the New Testament, Peter quoted that, and he changed one word, which made a huge difference. Because in in Peter, it says, and by his stripes, we were healed. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. We were healed. You don't have to walk in sickness and disease. If you're sick this morning, if you're struggling with challenges, because we all go through it, trust me. You know, last week, the devil attacked me. I don't know. uh, Some people thought I was out of town. No. I've never had something like that happen, and Last moment, I just got woke up with dizzy spells, all weird and stuff. And I thank God for our team. I thank God for HH. Because HH, you know, he's a, he's a professor. You know, professors, they need like six months in advance to let him know they're going to preach. <laughs> That's how he's wired, you know. And he'll take about 45 books and, and, and 
prepare a message. So I text him at 8. I said, 8, not feeling good. I'll let you know by 9. By 9, I wasn't feeling any better. I, I mean, I, I felt so bad, I don't think I could even drive. And I said, you're on, brother. And he did an amazing job, didn't he? Yeah, I, I watched it all online. I texted Kathy, she got on it. And then Kathy told me that H wasn't on time, and she was freaking out because H wasn't here and I wasn't here. So, You see what it feels like when y'all don't show up? Hmm, there. So there, yeah, uh-huh. That's what we feel when you don't show up. No, we need you in church. You, you're, 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 you're just as important, you know, as anybody else. But you know what? I took authority over that. I don't know, what, I don't know if it was food poisoning or my wife made me mad or something. I don't know what it was. Huh? Or maybe my wife tried to poison me. I don't know. You, know, you should have used more, honey. Well, I don't know what it was. I've never felt that. But I took authority over it. And even though I wasn't in, and, and then something else happened because, let me finish the story because I thought it was kind of funny. And I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, this is the first service I've missed in 28 years of ministry. I've never missed a Sunday morning, never missed, well, I missed one Wednesday because my wife didn't let me because a horse fell on me. Um, but other, I've never missed a service. I mean, if I was in church on Sundays because we were traveling somewhere, you know, we were always, always in church Sunday or somewhere. But then guess what? I took authority over that thing. And I said, this is not happening. I said, this is not right, Devil. Are you kidding me? I began to feel better and better and better and better. And my record is still intact because I made it to Laredo Church. <laughs> Glory to God, all right? So I missed here that I was in Laredo. So my record is still clean. I was preaching on Sunday. So God bless Faithway Laredo for having a 2 o'clock service because that's how long it took for me to recover. But I was back on. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, I don't know if you guys noticed, I wasn't 100%, but I was like about 95%. I was still feeling a little weird, but you know, God is so gracious. Did you take anything? No. I just believed and prayed and stood, and the, the symptoms finally started leaving. I don't know what it was, and I don't even care to know, because you know what? Whatever it was, he bore it. And that's the first thing I did when I was in that situation. I said, Lord, <laughs> no, 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 devil, you don't get to do this on me, because Jesus took that. Amen? He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. By his stripes, we were healed. Hope that sinks into you. I hope you raise your kids with this. No, we're not. And by the way, let me, let me clarify this because we've had this, these questions come up sometimes. Does that mean we don't go to doctors? No, I thank God for the doctors. I actually called the doctor, that one right there. <laughs> Gave him the symptoms and he thought it was maybe dehydration. I kind of agree. So, you know, whatever. No, I believe in doctors. If you need a doctor, use a doctor. I believe the wisdom the medical science has, it came from heaven. I really believe that. But, you know, I believe God, out of his grace and mercy and love for humanity, created medical science. Because God loves people. And there's just some people that are going to get healed one way or the other. So don't ever condemn yourself if you're going to take medicine. Don't ever condemn yourself if you're going to go to the doctor. We go to the doctor. You know, if we need it, we go. Are you still here? I, wonder, I do that same thing. Some people say, well, Pash, I, I, that happened to me. I was in a service here years ago. We're still in the little building there. I mean, this, wasn't, this didn't exist. <laughs> and I preached something along these lines. And I even said the thing about the doctors like I did. And you know what? The, that lady left the church and said, I don't go to that church because Pastor Box doesn't believe in doctors. And I'm like, what message were you hearing? Because I made that whole disclaimer that I just gave you right now. No, you are healed. 
Don't condemn yourself on how it happens. Because you can get condemnation of that. You know, Lord, heal me. My, I got a headache. Oh, Jesus. And then you finally break down and take Tylenol. Now you're condemned. That's pretty dumb. Because the devil will use anything, anything to get you into condemnation. Dumb stuff. Simple stuff. To just get you in that guilt. Because if he can get you in the guilt, that's where he can control you. Remember that. If he can get you to feel guilty about something you did, you're giving him control over that specific area of your life. Amen? Let's keep going. And here we go. I'm about to finish this this morning. You ready? 1 Corinthians 15.55. I love this. This is so good. Everybody say, so good. Paul, writing this, he said, so death. He's going to ask death a question. Tell me. Where is your victory? Think about it. Death. Where is your victory? Tell me, death. Where is your sting? If you are afraid of dying, you need to meet Jesus. That doesn't mean we're looking to die. I I'm, I'm believing God to live 120 years. How, how come, Patrick? That's what the Bible says. Well, what if you don't make it? I don't care. I'm just going to believe it. There's a lot of people leaving very early. You know that. I believe that's The Bible said 120. 120 it is. Amen. The sting of death is that you don't know where you're going. That's the sting of death. And even atheists, you have to know that deep down, in their nowhere, they know there's something else. Atheism is a kind of a new thing, you know? It's 1800s, maybe. But for every culture of history, for thousands of years, everyone believed there was something else in the spiritual realm. And of course, a lot of people believe in the wrong gods and so forth. I understand that. But every tribe from the islands to the Native Americans... Central South America, right across the world, Asian cultures, they all believe there was something else after death. That we have the answer to after death. And that's why Paul makes his statement, death, where is your sting? Where is it? It is sin. Pay attention. Because sin is what is the devil using to condemn. Yes, we get it. We're going to miss it. But you have grace, and don't abuse grace. Don't play that little hyper-grace game. That's not what I'm preaching this morning. Because God's love calls us to repentance. His kindness leads us to repentance. Are you here this morning? We're not trying to find a reason to, oh, I, I can sin now because I have grace. If that's you, wow, you need some help. Maybe professional help. <laughs> There's Christians that believe that. Oh, I'm just going to live like the devil, and I'm going to go to heaven. I pray they do make it. That's not my call. No, grace draws me to God. Grace causes me to honor him. You know, for those of you that are married and understand this, that piece of paper is a legal document, and it is important, and you should have one. Amen? Ooh, I'm going to walk on some toes. He ain't your husband if you don't got that paper. You call him something else, but don't call him hubby, all right? Just call him something else. But that piece of paper 
does not have any strength to stop somebody from committing adultery. Do you agree with that statement? It has no, it has no power. It's just, a, it's just a legal document says you're married to a person. What causes a couple to be faithful to each other? Come on, church, it's not a trick question. Love. That's what causes it. And love is way more powerful than that document. You agree with that? Because that document, you can nullify it and get a divorce. Or you can ignore it and do whatever. Well, Jesus paid the price with love. And this is what I'm trying to understand this morning. Because, you know, it is sin that he redeemed you from. Pay attention. This is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with the message, but I want you to get this. It is sin that gives death its sting. And death, let me help you with the word death. From the, Old Te- from the New Testament, it doesn't mean ceasing to exist. It doesn't mean, okay, he's in a grave. It means separation from God. God never looks at death like you don't exist anymore. God looks at death like you're separated from him. Because every one of you, including myself, everyone watching online, every one of you are going to step into eternity at some point. Will you spend it with him? Or will you spend it in a dark place? That's up to you. But the sting of death is sin. And the sin tells you, you're not good anymore. The blood wasn't enough. The sacrifice wasn't enough. Oh, you think the blood of Jesus is good. And and we walk around with this idea. And you know what the tendency is sometimes? I've seen it as a pastor, I've seen it in people, is that when you sin, instead of running back to God and embracing him, you start separating yourself from God. Oh, I messed up. Now you're walking in the darkness, right? What happens next? Boom, another sin, another sin. Before you know it, you're so far from Jesus. That's why I said earlier, and I know I've been praying a lot for this service, I said, this message is for people that don't know Jesus. This message is for people that have ran away from Jesus. And this message is for those that love him. Because we all need that. We all need to understand that this was based on love and the sting of death that the law gives in its power. Look at verse 57. But we thank God for giving us the victory. I want this to grow in you, church. I want you to know you are a world overcomer. Oh, that was a sorry amen. Let's try that again. Let me rewind. You are a world overcomer. You can do all things through Jesus Christ. All things. <laughs> you would love to be a fly on the wall in the conversations I have with my wife. Yesterday I was saying, you know, I don't know what people think about pastor's job, but pastor's probably one of the most complete jobs in the world. Because a pastor has to know about, guess what? Audio. Has to know about video. Has to know about counseling. Has to know about construction. Amen? And if that's not enough, this pastor has his own business. He's a wonderful grandfather. I know that for sure. (laughs) Plays guitar, rides a bike, loves to fish, loves to hunt. But pastor, man, you got to cover a lot of bases. I want to be a pastor. Who? Come on. You got to know a lot of stuff. Did you know? None of it matters because I don't get any special treatment for being a preacher. I have the same responsibility as you do to understand that. Because I know what people think. They say, oh, Pastor Bob, things go good for you because, oh, you're a man of God. 
Well, God, I'm, I'm going to break this news to you. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Uh-huh. He bought you. He paid for you. All of it. And you need to connect to that. You need to keep drawing because this is so important. He gave us the victory. We can do all things. So somebody said, how do you do this? I don't know. I just can do all things. We have a, a vision. I'm going to throw it out there. I wasn't ready to do this, but I think, I think the Holy Spirit gives me permission. We were talking about it. There's a major, major, major crisis in Cuba right now with food. You guys have no idea. There are parts of the island that are actually moving into starvation. It is, Cuba is torn to pieces. And there's a way, and I have, I have a phone meeting tomorrow with Cuba, where we can move containers on ships from Mexico. And my wife looks at me like, yeah, he's probably going to go that direction. I don't have any idea how that works, Al. I don't have any idea how it costs. The last time God told me something, we didn't have any money to do it either, right? Every time he talks about Cuba, we never have any money. Remember the first thing I came back with? <laughs> I came back when your first trip to Cuba. I said, H, we need to get, what do you call that machine? Cauterizer? You know, the ones when you have an operation that seals your veins? Because, you know, all this nonsense that they tell you that Cuba has the best medical facilities? Nah, that's all lies, lies, lies. And they were operating people. They didn't even have certain doctors didn't have this machine, and, and the lady pastor, she, she passed away, great lady. She said, you know what? It would be so awesome. And I, and I was just sitting there, and the Lord says, you need to get it. I don't even know, what, I don't know where you buy one of those. Amazon? All right. Was Amazon a thing back then? Okay. So this was like in 2012. You got it from Amazon? Y'all, we're going to talk about this. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't know what it cost. We ended up paying, what, like four grand for it? I mean, I didn't have no money for it. But God said, do it. You want to hear the story about that machine? First of all, it became a big deal to even get it into Cuba. They tried to take it away at the airport, not from me, but from some Cubans. It finally got to its place, and they gave it to the doctor that needed it. And the pastors, she was still alive, were sitting there, and a guy walked in in full military uniform, high-ranking military officer. And you got to understand, they hate Christians. They disdain Christians. I could tell you some horrible stories about what they do to, with Christians in Cuba. And he looked at him like, the doctor introduced him as pastors, and this guy looked at him and kind of, whatever. And then the doctor said, these pastors were gifted this from America, from a church. And this cauterizing machine, if that's how you pronounce it, I'm not sure you pronounce it. We're going to break it in. In other words, we're going to use it. The very first time it will be used, it will be used to operate your daughter. You don't know that hit that guy? That the Christians brought the machine to fix that guy that hates Christian's daughter? I'm telling you, God has these strange things, but you don't know that. The next thing he said... Y'all need to buy a farm. How much does it cost? About $35,000. Cool. We had like three hundred in the account. <laughs> I showed up to Monica. I came back from Cuba. Had a trip go. She didn't go that time. I said, it went well. So what else? And I said, God told us to buy a farm. And she said, well, if God told you, it's going to happen. That's how cool my wife is. She'd go, oh, my God, what are you going to do? 
That was September of 2016. And thank God for Faith Exchange in New York because they're partners, not only partners, Pastor Dan, my brother in the mission field. His first time in Cuba. And between that church and this church, by December, we had all the money together. Uh-huh. You see, when God says something, he's got to do it. And now God's dealing with this thing about, we've got to get some food into Cuba. And not just take a bag of rice. We've got to get some food into Cuba. So I don't know how it's going to work. You all just pray for me. But aren't you excited you're attached to something like this? We never rest here. You're like, oh, here we go. Yep. Look at your neighbor says, here we go. We've got to make a difference. We're here for a reason. And all this stuff the devil throws at you is to stop you from having influence. That's all it is. You got to get that revelation. I can do all things. Say it with me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ that strengthens me. Next struggle you have, next problem in your marriage, next struggle you're having with your kids, your business, your life, your morality, addictions. You go to God and say, I, I can do this because I'm not doing it on my own. Because where is your sting? You don't have a sting anymore, death. You don't have the, I have the victory. But we thank God, verse 57, for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. <laughs> Glory to God. I done preach myself happy. It was an Amazon, I told you. See? You still found it. See, I'm telling you, this guy's such a geek. He found a t an email from 2012. Do you need prayer or something? It's all there? Oh, cool. But isn't it amazing, H, what, what God has done with us? He's, H has been part of this crazy journey. We had baptisms yesterday. It was wonderful. And I was looking at that building, H, and I was sharing with some people from Laredo who hadn't been here. Remember when we, got, when we had that crazy idea? We're going to build a building. Oh, yeah, really? Got any money now? Oh, there was a steel embargo. <laughs> yes. Oh, guys, we could keep you all day on his greatness and goodness. But it's amazing to me that God moves when you connect to this. He's not holding out on your church. And that's my message this morning for everyone here that give God some room. Give God a year. Make a commitment today. We're going to have communion in a few moments. And if you're here, and the first thing I want to do is I want to pray a prayer of salvation because some of you maybe walked into this room and said, you know, communion, I know in my church they didn't let me because of this and that. I don't care what your church said. God bless your church. You know, this is what the Bible says. Do this in remembrance of me. And he's referring to a covenant. He's not, he's not, you know, and, and I, I came from a denomination that said, well, you can't have communion if you're not water baptized. Some denominations, you can't have communion if you're divorced. And all these, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's not in the Bible. None of it. It's not in, there, in any Bible. He said, do this to remind you of the blood. Do this to remind you of the cross. Do this because it was paid in full. You have to remind yourself when you take those elements, say, yes. And you bring your, those addictions, you bring that darkness, you bring that depression, you bring that anxiety to that covenant table, and you say, Lord, it is finished. That's what it is about. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Let's pray. 
I want everybody to pray this prayer if you desire. If you don't know Jesus, number one, you need to pray this with everything you have. If you've been running from God, you need to pray it with everything you have. And for those that believe you're in the right place, you still need to pray because it's a wonderful reminder. We have to look back to the cross. As Christians, we have a tendency to see the cross as just the point of salvation, and then we run with it. But I've noticed over the years I have to come back to that place because I can pick up some trash in my life. I can pick up some negativity. I can pick up some toxic thinking and say, no, 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 i got to go back to that place of the sacrifice. i got to go back and put it right back there because he bore it, and I'm not carrying this anymore. I'm not going to be depressed anymore. I'm not going to walk in fear. And I, I think this is big for the, those that have been believers for a long time. You can come back to the cross. Just because it was there when you needed Jesus, that's wonderful, but it's still there when you need to get rid of some junk. Because we can pick up some junk around, along the way. We can pick up discouragement and anger. We can become very cynical about things. But Jesus paid it all, church. I hope to God that this message has helped you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood. And today, Lord, I give you my life. Take my life and plant it in you. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins, even the ones I cannot remember. And today, Lord, I invite you into my life as my Lord and Savior. I believe with all my heart that you were born from a virgin, that you walked this earth as a man, that you died and were resurrected on the third day, and that you sit at the right hand of God. Thank you, Jesus, that today I am born again. My life is paid for. It is finished. I have the victory. Amen. You may be seated. Ushers, please minister to the people. We want to invite you to have communion with us this morning. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you have every right to have communion. Every right. If you want to build some stuff on what somebody told you or they didn't tell you, that's fine. I'm just, if you trust me as a pastor, you trust me that I'm giving you the Bible, there's nowhere, nowhere in the Bible that keeps somebody from keeping communion that's born again. Nothing. But what I also want you to do is when you take communion... Bring something to it. Bring something to that covenant. If you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling, the doctor gave you a bad doctor's report, maybe your finances are in a shamble, maybe your, your marriage is under pressure, maybe your kids are running from God. It can be a, a whole list of things. Thank you. Whatever it is, bring it to the communion table. Bring it to this place. If you're with your husband or your wife sitting next to you, get an agreement right now that it is finished. We're no longer under the curse, any of it. I don't accept any of it. Amen. Are you still here? This is what communion was about. Uh, you know, a lot of these things, you guys say, well, oh, pastor just preaches that. And I can tell you stories. My wife knows. We, we, got, we got out of old wrecked cars through communion. You remember that, honey? Every car we bought was a wreck. Every car. It was like a curse. Now it was. And one day I said, we can't, this is ridiculous. We need a vehicle. And we sat in our little house in Mirando City, and we took communion. And I said, Lord, we are done. We need this. Father, in the name of Jesus, it break this curse. And it was broken. 
And we got an old, another old, old car right after that, and it was the best car we've ever had. Marcos remembers that car. Remember that little Honda? That little car, man. We'd lend it to people that didn't have a car. We'd, it was ugly. But it was, that, it was soon after that my wife and I purchased paid cash for a brand new car. It wasn't too long after that. There's power in communion. But there's not, there's not power in grape juice. There's power in understanding it. There's no power in the wafer. There's power in understanding it. That he paid it all. This communion represents all that blood dripping down from that cross, that body being torn to pieces. Guess what? For you. The prince of heaven did it for you. In any area that you're struggling, go before God this morning and say, Lord, I'm done with it. I'm done struggling with this, Lord. Waiting for the people to finish. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's pray as they finish, and then we'll read the scriptures. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of the cross, for the power of the blood, for the power of life that you've given us in so many ways, God. And Lord, it just today is such a reminder of your grace and mercy and the stories that we shared and thinking about how wonderful you've been all these years. Even in spite of us, God, you've been so good to us. Holy Spirit, your presence is in this house. And Lord, I'm in agreement with my brothers and my sisters. Those of you that are online, get ready. I mean, have some something. Take a glass of water and a piece of bread. It doesn't have to be grape juice. It's just a symbol. Remember that. It's a representation to you that that cross, that blood took it all. But Father, this morning, if any of you, I'm praying for you now, if any of you are still dealing with sickness and disease or maybe there's loved ones that have been attacked by COVID or other things, we bring it to that cross right now. Father, for all the kids that are running from God and all the wayward children. Father, for any marriage that is under pressure where the word divorce has been being thrown around, we bring that to the table. Father, where people need a job, where their finances are down, where they just need to be able to support their family, God, we bring it to the covenant table. We are done, God. We're not, we're not designed to carry these things. Every spirit of depression and anxiety and anger and confusion in the name of Jesus. And we pray for our children, Father. We pray for our families that that blood of Jesus has enough power to heal our family to heal our future. And I thank you, Lord, that I really believe that this service will impact people's lives forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 11, and Paul was teaching about this. And the Corinthian church had made a mess out of this. They, they didn't really know what it was up, and Paul's trying to clarify it. And it would do you good to read 1 Corinthians 11 out of any translation. It will give you, really give you some insight on what communion is. I, feel, I really feel like maybe, maybe next communion service I'll just preach on communion. The whole service I'll dedicate it to, because it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. But it really was the idea that because they didn't understand what this meant, there were many sick and many were dying. He says it right there. Because they didn't understand it. And Paul said, because you don't understand this. And then he said, you take it unworthily, and that has caused all this confusion. That little phrase, unworthily, and it has nothing to do with if you're baptized or you're divorced. It has nothing to do with that. Unworthily meant you didn't understand what this was about. You were unworthy because they had made a meal out of it, 
And actually, they could, they'd get drunk. They had a big party. It wasn't a, it wasn't a communion service. And Paul said, you don't understand this. That's what he meant unworthily. There was no condemnation that says this, rep, this was a representation of the cross. It is finished. Can you say that with me? It is finished. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This is in remembrance of me. We eat the bread. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Wonderful Holy Spirit, we believe we receive today. We believe we receive our victory. Amen. Glory be to God. Well, did you enjoy it this morning? Oh, what a great service, huh? We'll let the ushers minister back to you. And um, we got one last act of worship, and it is worship, and that is we give to the Lord. And we're never, ever, ever going to make an excuse or be ashamed to the fact that God can prosper us. Financially, he can prosper you physically. And I want to encourage you, you know, understand what this is about. If you, have, if you get weird feelings when I talk about money, guess what? That's on you. That's not on me. Because this Bible paid it all. You know what's also under the curse? Poverty and lack. It's under the curse. Amen? So I encourage you this morning as, 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 you, as you meditate on these things, and I, I want to share another little scripture out of Corinthians before we finish. Check God on this. Well, no, thank you, Holy Spirit. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to another place. I just felt a change in the channel. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. When you say things like, and I, and I, know, I know you guys, I, I want to clarify it because I do say things and then I just leave them hanging. When I say, you know, during COVID, it was hard on a lot of people. And, I, and, I, and it, and it bless. I, I really mean it. It does touch our heart. We don't make light of it. But I'm just being honest to you and to God. I mean, it wasn't hard on us. It was hard in, in a different way. The hardest thing that I have to deal with the COVID season was the, with the way the church was. Because first we got closed down, and then even after we opened, it was still like it wasn't the rhythm. Our leadership was just like myself. That was like the hardest part. But as far as health and finances and prosperity, the reason God can take care of it, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the only reason that we did not struggle in any way is because we've been sowing for 30 years. We've been tithing for 30 years. So when you hear these things like, oh, that's because God loves, no, no, no. There's a covenant around this. And you don't have to give anything if you don't want to. But if you want to see how this works, you need to connect to it. God blesses the work of my hand. I thank God that he has blessed us in my, in my own little business that I do, and it's not a big business, but it, 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 you know, it makes some money for us because it gives me the freedom to be able to speak freely, not without any pressure, you know, because at the end of the day, I'll say this with a lot of love and, and compassion, if you give or you don't give, it doesn't make a bit of difference to me. Nothing will change in my life if you give or you don't give. I will still live the same way. I'll drive the same. I'll enjoy my life. I'll leave wherever I want because God does not bless me because you give. God blesses me because I sow. Are you still here? That's how this works. And I want to just read that idea out of Malachi. I'm, just, I'm not going to preach on it. But 
The Old Testament closes with Malachi. That's it. And you say, well, that's the Old Covenant. Yeah, but the truth of the tithe of the blessing is still the blessing. And listen to what he said in Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to read out of King James, verse 8. He starts with a very, again, this is under the law, so don't, don't, don't misunderstand it. I don't have time to explain it, but we're not robbing God. We're under, we're under different dispensation. This is the Old Covenant, but the truth is still here. He says, will a man rob God? Yet, yet you have robbed me on Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. But you say, where have we robbed you? And God answers, in tithes and offerings. Then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But listen to this. This is Now again, that was the entry into Old Covenant language. But verse 10, he says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Watch now. Prove me now. Nowhere else in the Bible have I found in over 28 years of study. Maybe it's in there, but I haven't found it. Where God says, come on, test me on this. He never says that to anybody. But on this one, he says, come on, test me. He's challenging you. And when we were flat broke, and we were so broke we couldn't pay attention, I was tithing off of unemployment checks. Because I found something, I said, prove me. That's okay, Lord. We'll do that. And guess what? It worketh. And I have not ever heard a tither come back and tell me, Pastor, that's a lie. I've watched families of this church for years, some of those that are very close to us, for many, many years. I mean, we've got relationships here that are, you know, 25 years old. And, and we've watched together, we've watched God's prosperity. When we showed up, we had a little building, dirt parking lot, everybody driving old red cars. Before long, the cars got a little better. The parking lot got paved. This building came up, then the other building came up, and then we got that property, and it's like, We've got the property in the back. Anything that God touches will increase. But you got to do your part. Say amen. It is finished. Even this is finished. You say, well, that's cute. Okay, you don't have to do any of it. But I'm not going to leave it. I'm not going to let that cross. I'm not going to let my attitude keep me from anything that God did. And I don't know about you, but lack is not a fun thing. And if you think poverty is a blessing, you're on the next trip to Cuba with me. And when you see what lack really looks like, and don't look at me because not one of you, I'll say this with love, not one of you that live in America has any idea what poverty is. Poverty in America is because you only got one car. Poverty in other parts of the world is you can't feed your babies tomorrow. And you got to figure that out. That's how they're living right now in Cuba. My heart goes out to my brothers and sisters over there. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If not, I will open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Pay attention now, because the blessing's part of the new covenant, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, I like this one, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer. You guys bring down I will rebuke the devourer. That's the other place, the other only place in the Bible that I've seen that God will rebuke Satan. Because everywhere else is you're supposed to take authority. It's cast, you know, you're supposed to cast the devil out. But here he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Let me tell you just, you know, because here's how people understand, a tither, it's not about money, it's if stuff doesn't break down. Anything that costs you money stops costing you money. 
You don't get sick as much because getting sick costs a lot of money. You say amen? We went on for years and years and years and years. I'm talking 25 years with no medical insurance. And we had an issue. We'd go across and take care of it. My wife had an operation. I had an operation. We'd just go to Mexico and take care of it. And then my daughter, you know, she said, oh, you guys got to get insurance. And she put all that together. Now we have insurance. But I got to thinking, I did the math of what insurance would have cost me if I had paid for 25 years of insurance. It's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that we never pay. Because the devourer is rebuked in any area of your life where Satan can break something, mess with your stuff, things cost you money. And this is the funny thing. Someone says, well, I don't want to tithe because, you know, the church, all they want is your money. Well, so does Walmart, by the way. And you still go there. So does H-E-B. But then you hold back, and then things just keep breaking down in your life car broke down, washing machine broke down, now your wife broke down, she's just mad at you, she's going to talk, and you're still holding that tie, and you're saying, Lord, why aren't you blessing me? I'll tell you why he's not blessing you, because the windows of heaven are closed over your head. He still loves you. You'll still get to heaven. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with a covenant. And well, what is all that about, God? I'll tell you what it is. Trust. Can you trust God? You're trusting him with heaven. You're trusting with eternity. You can't trust him with a 10%. You can't trust him with a dime from every dollar. Are you kidding me? That's just being mean to us. No, I'm not. I'm loving on you. I'm trying to get you to ooh, snap out of this thing and be prosperous and enjoy life and build some inheritance for your kids. Come on. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Are you listening? That's covenant. And you can't leave an inheritance to your children's children if you're broke. A good man, a good woman, a good person. I want all of goodness. You see, the thing with God is I don't want to leave anything out. If I don't tithe, does he love me? Yes, that's fine. But I don't want to miss anything. And he finishes with this. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time. In the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. That's what I believe. Amen. So if you need to give something to the Lord, there's an envelope next to you, or you can follow the instructions on the screen. I want to thank everyone. You guys have been amazing this morning. You really engaged. I want you to give the Lord another big, big hand clap as I turn.